Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Well, last week we started a, a series about the fire of the Holy Spirit called The Fire Still Falls. And I preached to you about the fire of Pentecost that fell initially on Pentecost Sunday, and it still falls today. By the way, how many excited, Holy Ghost-filled, uh, fire of Pentecost people do I have in the house today? Amen? All right, that's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Let's go to our text today, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. If you have a Bible, check it out. If not, you can read the Bible on the screen. By the way, parents and kids, thanks. Isn't it great to have the kids in here with us today? Amen? Kids need to know what it's like to be in adult church occasionally. We're glad they're here. I actually saw a couple of kids go like this. <laughs> Let me introduce myself to you. I'm your pastor, Buddy Thompson. Amen. You're going to grow up on my preaching, amen, so you better get used to it. Amen. Hallelujah. Because I'll be around for a while. Amen. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. That's John the Baptist talking. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Amen. I want to preach on this subject today, fresh fire. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need a fresh dose of fire. Amen. Theologians have debated this question for centuries. Why did Jesus come to earth? What was the purpose of the incarnation? Jesus directly answered those questions several times in the New Testament. John 10 and 10, he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In Luke 19 and 10, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In Matthew 20, 28, he said, the Son of Man has come to give his life as a ransom for many. But did you know that Jesus also said that he came to bring fire on the earth? In Luke 12, 49, he said this, I have come to set the world on fire. And I wish it were already burning. Now, that statement means a lot of things. It refers to the preaching of the gospel, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. It refers to Christ coming with the commission to refine the world and to purge away our corruption. It prefaces the outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We find that the Bible tells us Jesus baptized us with the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. It prefaced the Spirit descending in fiery tongues on the day of Pentecost. But it also describes what follows, the fire of persecution. Jesus wasn't the author of it, but he allowed it because it was a refining fire. Jesus even said that he was going to have to endure a baptism of suffering. 
Now, when we use the term baptism, we usually are talking about water baptism. But that word literally means to be immersed. So Jesus realized that in a few short weeks, he would be totally immersed in a baptism of pain and torture. The word bring fire means to cast fire or to throw fire. Jesus literally came as a holy flamethrower. Amen. And the fire he's speaking of is a spiritual fire. He is speaking of the burning, exciting, dynamic presence of God in the lives of people. Now, I feel like that is the mission. Have you ever had one of those days where your nose just won't stop itching? Pardon me for three seconds. Goodness gracious. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. He came to bring a fresh fire to the body of Christ. Now, I don't know about you. But after our world and the church has gone through the last 15 months of division and isolation and confusion, come on, I think God wants to give us a fresh anointing and a fresh fire that will carry us through. Amen? The prayer of Jesus has not changed. He wants to bring us fire. Amen? Let's talk about fire for a few moments. I think it's safe to say that this world could not have uh, survived without literal fire. Fire was regarded uh, by primitive people groups as supernatural and divine in its origin. Moloch, the so-called fire god, and other deities were worshipped by certain Canaanites and and other tribes. Even the Israelites sometimes would fall into that and and into that practice of, of fire worship or worship of the fire gods. Fire had a lot of applications, had a lot of, uh, other than just the domestic ones of cooking and lighting and heating, fire was used as punishment. You can read it about it in the scripture. Uh, There's places where the children of Israel would use fire as a punishment of death. Uh, Fire was used in the military. In times of war, towns would be burned or destroyed by fire. We even see that today in our conflicts around the world. Uh, But the Hebrew children particularly they had a, when they would burn things, they had a strong hate and disgust that accompanied what they were doing. They would burn the war chariots of their enemies. They would burn the temples. They would burn their idols. The children of Israel were so passionate about idolatry, they would even burn their own cities to the ground if the, if the city had fallen back into idolatry. So fire had military purposes. Fire, though, had a lot of religious practices associated with it. Fire in the Old Testament was especially associated with the divine presence of God. It's really staggering if you go back and read all of the places where fire referred to God. Now, I don't have time to read them all, but there's so many examples. In the making of the covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15, fire was a symbol in the burning bush in Exodus 3, in the pillar of fire in Exodus 13, on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, in the flame on the altar in Judges 13. Fire came from heaven at the consecration of Solomon's temple. Yahweh was known as the God that answers by fire. Amen. 
In the law, sacrifices and offerings were made by fire. Fire from God uh, signified the acceptance of those sacrifices. The altar fire was to be kept continually burning every day. Fire was a symbol in Daniel 7 of God in His glory, of God in His holiness in Isaiah 6, of God in His jealousy in Deuteronomy 4 of God in his protection of the people in uh, in 2 Kings and in Zechariah, of God in his judgment in Zechariah, of God in his wrath against sin and punishment of the wicked. The, uh, The fire was a symbol of the word of God and its power, of divine truth, amen, of the Holy Spirit. Fire was all throughout the scripture. And what we need in 2021 is for a fresh fire and a fresh anointing, come on, to fall on the church and on the body of Christ. We need the glory of God. We need the holiness of God. We need the power of God. Come on, somebody. We need a fresh anointing to inhabit us as the body of Christ. Can I get an amen from some fired up Holy Ghost people? See, I don't know about you, but I want to see God's healing power. I want to see his saving power. I want to see his delivering power every time I come to church. Because I'm not just here to punch a spiritual time card. Come on, I'm not just here to pay my tithes and check off the box. Amen. I want to see the fire of God change people's lives. Amen. God, consume us with your fire. A fresh fire will do a lot of things. I want to share just a few things with you today. First of all, a fresh fire will demonstrate God's presence. Fire, by its pure, all-consuming nature, symbolizes the holiness and the presence of God. When God shows up, so does the fire. Amen? See, the flaming fire that was demonstrated It showed God's presence when Moses saw the burning bush. Later on, the fire demonstrated God's presence in the pillar of cloud and fire that went with the children of Israel during their tenure in the wilderness. Later again on Mount Sinai, God appeared to all the Israelites as a fire on the mountain. Exodus 24, 17 says, To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire. Can you imagine what a sight That must have been. When Moses built the tabernacle, they made the first sacrifice in the Holy of Holies, and God revealed himself by fire, the book of Leviticus says. Look at Leviticus 9.24. It says, fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When the people saw this, they shouted with joy and fell face down on the ground. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Years later, the prophet Elijah stood on Mount Carmel and called on God to send down fire. And you know what God did? He showed up and he burned up the sacrifice. Amen. When the apostle John had a vision of the glorified Christ in Revelation 1, he described him as having eyes like a blazing fire. John the Baptist, as the last great prophet of the Old Testament dispensation, declared of the Messiah, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. See, throughout the Bible, through the Old Testament and the New Testament, God's presence was represented by fire. And today, what I'm talking about 
is we need the fire of God to still fall and bring the supernatural burning presence of God into our lives. Amen? See, when you have a personal encounter with the God of the universe, it's like an experience with holy fire. You know, even on that first Easter, the two disciples that were walking with the resurrected Jesus on the road to Emmaus, they didn't even know they were walking with Jesus. But later on, when Jesus revealed himself, they said in Luke 24, 32, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us? Amen. See, a fresh fire will have a demonstration of God's presence with it. People will get healed when the fire of God is in the house. Come on, anybody ever experienced the healing? People will get delivered, amen? People will get saved. People will have their marriages restored. Fresh fire demonstrates the presence of God. And what we need in 2021 is not less fire. We need more fire in the church, amen? We need it. A fresh fire will also generate unlimited power. Everybody say power. There's a scientific field called thermodynamics. It deals with the relationship between heat and mechanical energy and the process of changing one into the other. For example, your car. It has an internal combustion engine that burns fuel and it changes it into motion that pushes pistons and they in turn they turn a drive shaft which turns the wheels on your car which basically is what lets you get from point A to point B. Electricity is produced in plants that use gas or coal or nuclear power or hydroelectric power, water, to transform heat into power. When you plug in an appliance in your house, that electric uh, current, again, is transformed back into energy you can use, whether you're charging your phone or, or toasting your, your, your muffin that morning. Amen. See, but we need a fresh fire that will produce some spiritual thermodynamics. Come on, we need a fire that will create some power in our lives. Jesus said this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Amen? The Holy Spirit living in you is the fire of God that generates the power that you and I need to live a Christian life. Amen? He gives you power to share your faith. He gives you power that will allow you to forgive people. Come on, somebody. He'll give you power that will allow you to forgive people that have hurt you. He will give you power that will help you to love unlovely people. He will give you power to overcome sin, to break addictions, to overcome hate. Come on, to overcome pride. God will do this for you. The reason so many Christians are struggling and the reason why so many churches are struggling is they're lacking the power, the fire that produces the power. And if you're in your own strength, you and I, we can't, we can't live at the level that God wants us to live. Matter of fact, Jesus said in John 5 and 5, without me, you can do nothing. See, the fire of God in your heart will be like a spark that generates the energy that you need to live the Christian life. Amen. We have a firefighter in the house. I see him over there, Clinton. And he will tell you a fire will only keep burning as long as it has fuel and oxygen. Is that correct, Clinton? And heat. Yes. And if you 
stifle out any of those elements, that fire is going to burn out. Amen? If you put any of those elements out, it's going to burn out. And the power that God provides for you and I is not something that we should just take for granted. Amen? See, we've got a fire, but we've got to tend that fire in order to keep it burning. There's a great lesson, an example of this in the Scripture that we can learn about the fire on the altar of the temple. It's in Leviticus 6 and 12. Look at this verse. It says, Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. And check out, how do you keep it from going out? Look, each morning the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then pour the fat of the peace offerings on it. Every morning, the priest had to tend to the fire, and he had to put fresh wood on the altar. Folks, it's not complicated. If you don't tend to fire, it will burn out. Amen? You've got to keep the fire on the altar burning. Never let it go out. Have you ever wondered why we still have altar calls in this church and so many churches have stopped doing it? You want to know why? We want to give you a chance to throw some fresh wood on your fire. Amen? But you see, it's not enough just to respond to an altar call at home. The priest had to put wood on the fire every morning. They had to do something to keep that fire burning. They had to add fresh wood. They had to put the sacrifice on the altar. So, folks, here's the question we need to constantly ask ourselves. Has the fire gone out in my heart? And, and if, if you don't feel like the fire's gone out in your heart, I'm going to ask you another question that's going to probe just a little deeper. Is that all right? Was there ever a time in your life that you were more excited and fired up about living for God than you are right now? Was there ever a time in your walk with God that you were more on fire for Christ than you are right now? Has your zeal and your passion for Christ maybe be cooled down at all? You see, in, in an effort to not stick out too much or to offend what has now become such an easily offendable culture, we have replaced the fiery, dynamic Christian life for a dispassionate, mediocre substitute. But hear me, that is not the will of God. Amen? Here's what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Do not quench the Spirit. I like that verse from the New Century Version. It says this, do not hold back the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We got too many Christians. We got too many churches, amen. We got too many people wanting to hold back the work of the Holy Ghost, amen. Folks, we don't need to hold back the Holy Ghost. We need to let the Holy Ghost go. We need to let the fire of God burn, amen. Pastor, aren't you, aren't you worried about wildfire? No, there's enough wet blankets around to put out any wildfire, amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. We need to keep the fire burning. Amen. Can I encourage you, don't quench the fire of God in your life. Because spiritual fire can burn out just like the altar fire can burn out. Neglect. Apathy. No prayer. No passion. No worship. No responding to the Holy Spirit. No responding to the voice of conviction. Amen. 
That's why God told the priest it was a daily discipline to keep adding wood to the fire and to keep it burning. When I was a boy growing up, one of my jobs in our house in the wintertime, we had a wood stove, and that's how we had wood stove and we had oil heat. Oil's expensive. Wood wasn't this expensive. So we kept the wood stove going winter, all winter long, basically 24 hours a day. I was the oldest boy in the house, so it was my job to keep the wood stove stoked at night, amen? My dad taught me well. You turn the dampers down, you fill it full, you use the, the wood that we haven't split. If we got any green wood, you put that in at night so it'll just burn long and slow and keep that heat going. And then in the morning, I would wake up, and occasionally the fire would have gone out but usually I would open up the door to the wood stove and I could see a big pan of gray ashes. And if you didn't know what you were looking at, you would immediately think, oh no, the fire's gone. But then I would get over and I'd reach and get the poker. Amen. And I'd just start digging around just a little bit. And all of a sudden I'd see those orange coals there, Amen. And I'd push a few ashes back, and there were some more orange coals there. And then I would just go to the wood box, and I'd grab a little bit of that dry kindling, and I'd throw it right on there. And then I'd get a couple of pieces of split wood, and I'd throw that on there. Pretty soon the smoke was rolling. And next thing I know, I'd open up that damper and oh, a brand new fire where the old fire looked like it had almost gone out. Can I ask somebody right now in the Holy Ghost, you are not backslidden, you have not failed God, you need to get the poker out, you need to dig around in the ashes, and you need to stir up a fresh fire and I get a new anointing in your life. Come on, I already know you love Jesus, that's why you're in church. But can I just ask you a question, amen? If you're going to live for Jesus, why not live for Jesus all out, amen? Why be mediocre? Why be backslidden? Why be lukewarm when you can have the fire of God burning in your life? Why don't we give him a praise all over this house? Oh, hallelujah. Come on, you know what we're doing right now? We're stirring the fire. Come on, we're stirring the fire. We're stirring the fire. Come on, we're stirring up the coals. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is my fire still burning? When I first got saved, you couldn't stop me from talking about Jesus. I carried my Thompson Chain Bible, the real Thompson Chain Bible, with me to school, amen. And I would tell people about the Lord, amen. I would tell people what God did for me. There was a fire burning on the inside. When I would come to church, I always was sitting on the front row. I couldn't wait for the preacher to be quiet so I could get down to the altar and pray about whatever he just preached about, amen. When they would start singing, man, we sang old school songs too, amen. I didn't really realize how rough we had it, amen. But I would lift my hands and I would sing those songs because it wasn't about the song, it wasn't about the the keyboard player. It wasn't about the worship leader. It was about me and Jesus. Amen. Because I had a fire burning within me. And you want to know why that fire was burning? Because I remember what it was like to be a teenage boy and, and being passed out from being drunk at 15. I remember what it was like to get arrested for selling drugs at my school. I had a reason. There was a fire shut up in my bones. So I got to ask you today, is the fire still 
burning in your life. But if you neglect prayer, if you neglect church, if you neglect worship, if you ne neglect praise, if you ne neglect regular fellowship with other believers, your fire will go out. I read about a preacher <coughs> who served a little country church, and on a winter Sunday, he arrived early, and he turned off the gas pilot light, and then he turned off the gas supply for the church furnace, and it didn't take long for that church to get cold. But he turned on the furnace fan so that the fan was blowing. And when people arrived, they could hear the swish of the fan. They could feel the air circulating around them. But it was cold. And they were just making it through praise and worship. And everybody's sitting there freezing. And everybody's wondering what's going on. And then the pastor got up and he announced his sermon title. He said, the blower's still blowing, but the fire's burned out. Amen. And you know what? I think, unfortunately, that's an accurate, accurate description of a lot of Christians and a lot of churches. The blower is blowing, but the fire's gone out. Amen. You're still going to church. You're still serving. You're still singing. You're still giving. You can hear the swish of the fan. You can feel the air blowing across your face, but the fire's gone out. The blower's blowing, but where's the heat gone? Amen. I want to challenge, I just feel to challenge somebody today. Come on, all you got to do is stir up the gift that is in you. Amen. All you got to do is reconnect to the source, reconnect to the flame. We've got to reconnect to the source of the power. Fire demonstrates God's presence, fire generates unlimited power. And number three, fire purifies. Fresh fire purifies. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13. It says, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss the builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. See, that's something else that God's fire can do in your life. His fire is purifying. It's a cleansing flame. Now, you know, when we hear that, when we hear about the purifying fire of God, the cleansing flame, we automatically just think negative, right? Oh, but let me tell you something. The fire of God comes into our lives and it removes, removes impurities that we didn't even know were there. It's a beautiful thing. If you have ever been through the fire, amen, you know it's not a pleasant experience, but when you come out, you've been refined and you've been purified. In the middle of it, it's hot, it's uncomfortable, it's scary. You wonder if the fire's going to ever finish, if it's going to burn you up. But you just need to remember that he loves you. And he knows just how much you need to be cleansed of your impurities. God sat by a furnace of sevenfold heat as he placed in his precious ore. And closer he bent with a loving gaze as he heated it more and more. He knew he had ore that could stand the test and he wanted the finest of gold to mold as a crown for the king to wear, set with gems of a price untold. He laid us as gold in the burning fire, though we sure would have told him nay 
as he watched the dross that we had not seen as it melted and passed away. And our, our gold grew brighter and yet more bright, but our eyes were so dim with tears. We saw but the fire, not the master's hand, and we questioned with anxious fears. But he waited there with a watchful eye, with a love that is strong and sure. And his gold did not suffer a bit more heat than was needed to make it pure. Right now, some of you are going, I can't stand anymore. Maybe. Maybe not. God knows exactly what you need. And how much of it you need to purify. There's been some things in my life, and I'm sure many of you could testify to this fact as well. There's some things that I would not want to live over again. But there's also some things like that that I would not want to not have it in my life. Because it purified me in ways that my praying never did. Come on, somebody, can I just tell you the truth? There's some things that I didn't pray out, God had to burn out. Come on, there's some things that I wanted to be gone, but God's fire had to get it out of me, amen? You need to let the fresh fire of God purify your life. You need to invite God while you're in the middle of the fire, say, God, just purify me. Burn off anything that's not pleasing to you. Get rid of any attitudes, any spirit, any, any negativity, any sin, any impurity. God, God, remove it. Purify me in the fire. Then the last point I want to make is a fresh fire will get the attention of other people. Amen? Fire is fascinating. When something is on fire, what happens? Man, people come to watch it burn, don't they? Any of you ever been in a, on a highway when a car catches on fire? Man, there's like a 10-mile-long traffic jam. And I don't know about you, but I'm always in the back going, man, all those people just rubbernecking. They're just taking off. And then guess what I do as soon as I get near the car? Because <laughs> there's something about a fire that's just, <laughs> it's just mesmerizing. I'll never forget, we had, we had a lady in our church used to come to our church. And uh, she was a fortune teller. And uh, she came, man, and we taught her a Bible study, and we prayed with her. And, man, God filled her full of the Holy Spirit, and she got baptized. And, uh, but, I mean, it took her a while to, to pull away from that, that lifestyle that she was in. And I'll never forget, her house caught on fire. And, I, man, I went over there. It was about 4 o'clock in the morning. Sure enough, it doesn't matter what time it is, man, there's people. If something catches on fire, there's people out there watching. And I'll never forget I, I, it was, I shouldn't have laughed, but I couldn't help it. There was one guy that was standing there, and he said, so that was the house of the fortune teller, right? They were like, yeah. He said, man, she should have seen that coming. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we all did, too. We all laughed. I said, man, I don't, I don't think I want to tell her I'm her pastor. Amen. <laughs> but when something's on fire, people come to watch it burn. Amen. Louisville, Kentucky, true story, 1981, fire broke out one night in St. Matthew's Baptist Church. As the fire trucks came to fight the fire, hundreds of people from the neighborhood were standing there watching it. A member of the church staff was there watching the scene, and this is what he said. 
more folks showed up to watch our church burn than ever came to worship with us. And then he said this, I guess the lesson is when you have a church that's really on fire, people will come to watch it burn. Charles Spurgeon used to give this advice to young preachers. Build a fire in the pulpit and people will come to watch it burn. Amen. I don't know about you, but I believe that if we would get a fresh Holy Ghost fire burning in this church, come on, the city would come to watch us burn. Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. Is anybody tired of dead church? Is anybody tired of not seeing people get healed or filled or restored or changed? Come on, we need the fire of God to fall like it's never fallen before. Amen. Why don't you lift your hands right now? Let's give God a praise. Come on. Who wants a fresh fire? 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 Praise team and musicians, would you come? In Acts chapter 2, it says that when they received the Holy Ghost, each one of them had tongues of fire set upon them. That 120 from that morning grew to more than 3,000 of them saved and baptized that very day. Within a few days, another 5,000 others had been saved. Come on, hear me. God can do a quick work if we would just allow the fire to fall. Amen? Hey, hear me. God doesn't just light churches. He lights individuals. Look at Acts chapter 2. It says, tongues of fire sat upon each of them. And corporately, those 120 fires lit a fire that drew the whole city. Amen? I want you to stand with me all over this house. Once God's fire is lit in your heart, come on, you're not going to be able to keep it a secret. When you place a fire, uh, uh, an iron bar in a burning blaze, what happens? That bar begins to heat up. It begins to turn orange. And when you pull it out, you can still see that fire burning for a while. And the same thing is going to happen to you and I when we are filled with the fire of God. Amen? You're going to literally be glowing white hot in your relationship with God. Angels are often described as having shining faces. You know why? Because they've been exposed to the glory of God. Matter of fact, that's where the halo thing, you see angels with halos, that's what the halo represents. The glow of the glory of God on their faces. When Moses saw the afterglow of God's glory, his face shone like he'd been out in the sun for days. And when you've got this fire, come on, you can't keep it on the inside. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 20 and verse 9, his word was in my heart and as a burning fire shut up in my bones. John Wesley was kicked out of the Anglican church because he was too radical. Amen. Praise God for some radical preachers. Amen. So he started preaching in fields instead of churches. John Wesley was 4 foot 11 inches tall, but he shook the world for Jesus Christ. Amen. It was said that once he was preaching in a crowd and a group of thugs had come and they had bragged that they were going to interrupt the preaching and they were going to beat up Mr. Wesley. They brought some clubs with them, some sticks. John Wesley kept on preaching anyway. 
And in the middle of his sermon, those thugs approached him with the sticks and the clubs. They tried to get him to stop, but he would not stop. And suddenly, right before they got ready to put the beat down on him, the leader of the group stopped and he dropped his clubs. And he told the other guys, he said, look, he's glowing. He's glistening. Amen. And that group of guys got converted that day. I want you to know, people say people don't want the church anymore. People say people don't want God anymore. I don't believe that for a second. You know what they want? They want to experience the power of God. Come on. They want to experience the real thing. When they come to church or when they come to your group or when they come into your presence, they've already been around enough dead people, around enough fakes, around enough frauds, amen. They want to feel the presence of God. And you know what we need? We need the fire of God, the fresh fire of God to continue to fall in our lives. Hear me, it won't fall in the church unless it falls in you. And if it falls in you and it falls in this place, I believe it can fall all over Hanover County, all over Henrico County, all over Chesterfield County, all over the city of Richmond. Come on, somebody. And so as the praise team gets ready to sing, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6 from the New Living Translation, it says this. This is why I remind you to fan. Here it is from the New King James. I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Look at the same verse from the New Living Translation. I remind you to fan into flames, hallelujah, the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid hands on you. Can I tell you, some of you right now, you're not backslid. You just need to do what I had to do every morning in the wintertime as a teenage boy. You need to get the sick out, and you need to stir up the coals, amen? You just need to fan those spiritual flames, amen, and get that fire kindled again in your life. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to open up this altar. I'm not going to beg you to come, but I'm going to open up this altar, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to start some fresh fires right up here. I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are and come down and say, God, I'm ready to stir up the gift that is in me. Amen. I'm ready to fan. That's it. Come on out. I'm ready to fan the flames that are in my heart. I'm ready to fan the flames that are in my life. Come on. I want you to step out from where you are and ask God to baptize you with a fresh fire and with a fresh anointing. Amen. Let's begin to pray. Amen. Let's begin to worship. Amen. Come on. That's it. God, light a fire in me. Light a fire in me, light a fire in me.